Hey, Neil. What? Why does Tom Thibodeau hate the bullpen? I don't know. Why? Because he never wants to take his starters out of the game. Welcome to episode 77 of Wolves Cast, the show that is stoked for Sunday's annual Marcus George's Easter egg hunt. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to the baseball season, everybody. Here's your new favorite Twins podcast. It's called Twins Cast. It's me and Neil. We're going to talk about the Twins every single week. You know, if if you listen to this show, you understand that we 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 uh, we touch on baseball just about every week. There's always always something to tie into baseball, and and uh, now we have a new season upon us. I think objectively, basketball is the best sport in the world. Okay, but baseball is definitely the weirdest, and I I always (laughs) embrace the strange in my life. So I've got room. Like weird, like there's nothing else like it. Well, it's just like most most sports are there are two ends you know it's a square pitch and you got a goal on each side and it's either about putting you know the puck the ball whatever sure, sure. into your opponent's goal yeah. area whereas baseball is we're going to hit this in play and while it's in play you run in circles as many times as you can yeah no one else is doing that it's such a strange sport and because of it there's so many strange things about it <laughs> I, I just love how asymmetrical baseball is so very well, happy i've been uh Drinking since noon, uh, watching a lot of. I can twins. smell it. I can smell it. Let me tell you, the Wolf's Cast Studio is reeking of booze right now. Feel so. a little dehydrated, no, so it should be a good, good show. <laughs> You're in better shape than I thought you'd be, Scott. Even without uh, the Twins winning today, it's still good to have baseball back. Today we will uh, be talking mostly about basketball, of course, uh, but uh, be prepared for for baseball references abound. You guys, uh, baseballreferences.com. Uh, today on the show, we're going to uh, get in full court press, talk about this week in Timberwolves basketball. We have five. questions questions with a very special guest joe mandy uh comedian comedy writer uh saint paul native joe mandy that'll be coming up soon uh we have a sponsor where you're going to review some target center food and play a game so a little bit different uh you know setup for today's show but we just had the interview and the review so we're, we're gonna do it differently this week so excited parks and rec is one of my favorite shows of all time he yeah. worked on that also the show he's working on now the good place yes so great so good. it's such an easy binge watch too i guarantee if you start watching it on netflix Season one's on Netflix. Season two on Hulu. If you start watching season one on Netflix, you're going to be done in like before the end of the week. Probably one of the best, uh, one of the funniest network comedy shows I've seen in quite some time. So absolutely, yeah. I'll check it out. I'm yes. excited to hear the interview, Neil. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about this week. The week recap, uh, really quick. The Wolves went two and two, as uh, you know, standing stand about five hundred as as they've been uh, doing uh, without Jimmy Butler in the lineup. Uh, they won the game uh, Friday uh, in New York, um, and then had a back to back lost in Philly. Um, and then brought it back home uh, for a loss against Memphis on Monday, and then uh, closed things out uh, this week with a win in uh, at Target Center against Atlanta. We, so, we went to the wrong Target Center game. This we week, did. Neil. We we attended on Monday. <laughs> we went to Monday night's game, <laughs> and boy, was that a flashback to Oof. some darker times in our lives. Oof. I forgot what it feels like to get existential about basketball after your team loses, where you're just like, "Why do I do this? Why, why do I watch? Why do I care?" You're saying there's some big picture thoughts happening exactly yeah. you have to question some of your decisions in life <laughs> and that's what i was like after after monday night's lost to memphis that's for sure but yeah i mean overall we're going to dig into pretty much all this stuff here right away in full court press but just an overall look at the, at the week really just par for the course so just trying to stay above water just trying to tread water uh here while jimmy is out and and you know we we, we kind of learned this week that there's no real game that even though they're tanking teams or whatever that you can kind of mark off as as, as a as a pencil in as a 
win. They just can't do it, really. <laughs> That's the annoying thing about playing guys who aren't normally in the NBA, a bunch of D-League players and stuff. They're just looking for their shine. This is their 15 sure. minutes to prove themselves. So they're going to play super hard. I think especially when we're going against like a tanking team like the Hawks or the Grizzlies, it can be surprising when you get hit with them playing with so much energy because you're like, what? I thought this was a losing team. And it's just because these these young bucks, you know, they <laughs> – they know how to play basketball, you know. They're still like here you for know, a reason. The yeah. top two percent of basketball players in the world, even if <laughs> yeah. they can't make the league. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if you if you if you rest against them, they're gonna they're gonna punch you in the face. All right, let's dig deeper into this week. Here's the tip. First, we're going to talk about uh, the weekend games, New York and Philly. I think uh, the New York game was pretty interesting, and you know the, the you know the team uh, you know got up big and then just kind of hung on uh, for a win. But um, I think the Philly game was uh, something kind of we should talk a little bit more about, especially with the Towns and Embiid uh, factor. Yeah. To me, there's no other player in the league that sort of raises the ire of of Carl Anthony Towns like Joel Embiid. I mean, even beyond the Twitter troll stuff, I think that even just on the court, this is a guy he compares himself to. This is someone that you know is right up there in the upper echelon of young bigs in the league right up beside you know I think they're kind of one and two in most people's eyes as far as the best young bigs in the league and and something about that really changes Carl Anthony Towns a little bit sometimes for the worse right yeah it's weird uh you know you think if anyone had a rivalry with him it'd be Wiggins because right have, yeah you know, same draft class roommates in college and stuff right. like that you think that they would be going against each other but it's very true Embiid definitely seems to get under Towns's skin which is, uh, you know, fascinating. It see. is, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because it, you can just see him. He's taking so many shots. He's he's doing a little bit more, a little bit extra. And, and in some ways, I think that's a good thing that, you know, you really get up for these games. But with Townsend's situation, ultimately, I think it, 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 it more negatively uh, affects him just because he's trying so hard. Oh, my God! I agree. It's, it does seem like uh, Embiid's getting the better of him. Yes. But at the same time, you play know, your game. Towns just like trip Embiid once or something. Remind <laughs> him that he's a fragile human being, you know? That's what I'm saying. Just like, you know, give him a dirty, like, shove. All get right. your one technical, get your one flagrant, sure. whatever. And just remind Embiid that if you, if you want to, you can put him out of the league again for another year. Because Whoa. that's the thing that. Joe, no one checks JoJo enough on this, you know. Jojo. But how much smack talk? And I get that NBA players actually really appreciate JoJo smack talk. Seems like people right. enjoy him being a troll online and kind of get the joke. So NBA players aren't actually that upset about him. He's he's more disrespectful outside the game than inside the game. So maybe that's why he hasn't gotten like shoved down a few times. But I just figure if if like he's being annoying to people, like why don't you just hit him really hard? He'll probably break something and not play again for another year or two. He's a fragile, uh, you know, piece of porcelain out there. Yeah, he's. Uh- uh, played more games. He's on pace for like. Well, he's out now for the rest of the you know, orbital fracture announced just before we started recording here. So that's what I'm talking um, about. He'll he's- finish the regular season, but still with probably more games than most people thought. I think he's going to end with like 65 games. So yeah, you know that's that's more than people thought he's going to do. So. Hopefully, you know, we want the best for Embiid, but yeah, he, uh, you know, he's someone who, yes, for sure has questions about his long-term viability of staying on the court. Uh, anything else about the New York game or the Philly game? Yeah, I don't think we played that well in New York. Ooh, we're yeah, lucky that was yeah, a terrible or, team. Or, yeah. We were playing, I think we played pretty terrible all week, you know, oh, we're lucky oh, yeah. to get two wins out totally. of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not good without Jimmy. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. was looking like an all-star against <laughs> oh, like us. 38 just, points or something. Yeah, it was just so frustrating. Me like, can we stop this guy, please? You know, like... Anybody? I hate that. Then it's something that also happened during Memphis and even during the Hawks a little bit. It was just like, hey, this guy's scoring. He's taking every shot. You know, it was Torian Prince. In the okay, Hawks yeah. Yep, it's yep. just like, can we, like, 
make Step him pass up. the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's like, do, can we defend the three-point line where he doesn't get a shot off, please? Can we run some guys off the line? Exactly. It's just like, when this guy is going off, why can't we stop him? Exactly. And yeah, like you're saying, you got young guys who are just trying to get theirs. They're going to be shooting. They're going to be firing. They're going to be trying to take their shots. So uh, you got to be ready for that, even uh, against these tanking teams, these, these bad teams out here. Um, cool. Let's keep it moving. He's hitting up. Okay, as we mentioned, we were in the building on Monday for the the Grizzlies disaster. I think it was a disaster. You know, the team doesn't have many games left, and you got to mark. You know, you want to really try and get these games. You know, the soft part of the season and that kind of thing. So um, I feel like disaster is too nice. Disaster is too nice. It's a catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you had Jeff Teague and multiple guys after the game calling it the worst loss of the season. Uh, that definitely checks out. That, that's yep. not too. That's not too strong, especially given I the mean, we've had context. Plenty of bad losses, oh yeah, we've still. we've lost to so many lottery teams this year. It's uh, we lost to Memphis earlier this season when they were on a, in the midst of a 17 game losing streak. But what doesn't normally happen is usually we take care of business at home. Yeah. A lot of these bad losses have been on the road, so it's like okay, you can forgive it a little bit. But yeah, this game on Monday they really needed to have it, and they just really didn't show up. It was it was hard to watch. There weren't a lot of good moments. There weren't a lot of highlights from this game. Um, but I thought it was interesting, sort of the the after of this game, <laughs> the you know the you know the the drama that sort of ensued after the game that you saw on social media and that I was seeing from from friends. I had multiple friends who I didn't really talk too much about the Wolves so far this season approach me and sort of say like, "Wow, Tom Thibodeau, how do you feel about him?" Like after this game, and honestly, in the game, I didn't have. I wasn't thinking much about the coach. I remember leaving. We, you and I were talking in the Skyway. And I was sort of like, man, they didn't really sub anybody in the fourth quarter. That was weird. And yeah, after the fact, you kind of look. And you know, I think Jeff Teague came in at the 10-30 mark. And there were no subs throughout the rest of the game. And Tyus Jones only played six minutes. And uh, you know, they played two other guys off the bench big minutes. So they basically played seven and a half guys. And that's definitely problematic. But to me, this game didn't stick out as a fire Tibbs moment. I mean, to me, it just was sort of par for the course for what has happened this whole season long. Um, Scott, did you hear any sort of buzz about oh, yeah. Thibodeau? Or Always. Think about Always. this. Yeah. <laughs> Reddit is not a fan. Uh, yeah. See, can we finally talk about him being on the hot seat now? Uh, is the general sentiment. I don't think that. I don't um, think that's ever going to happen, <laughs> right? Well, I don't know. You know he, he would have to not make the playoffs this year to yeah, even start yeah. that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a tweet from Wolvescast Digest. Go okay. check out Wolvescast Digest. I, it's a roundup of fun bits and boops and beeps that I uh, put together every check single week for Canis Hoopus. Yeah. Uh, this tweet from Fred Katz, K-A-T-Z, not like our cat, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. He had this tweet uh, that I featured this week's Digest. After the Wolves lost to Memphis tonight, Minnesota is now just 17-11 and 11 against teams below 500. The worst winning percentage against sub-500 squads of any current playoff team. Wow. That's the thing that makes me wonder about tips. Is like, on one hand, you're like, do we play? Yes, we do play down to our competition. We've been talking about this all year. This has been a key fact of the franchise long before tips time. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. we always seem to play down to our opponents. But it, it makes me wonder, is tips not preparing us enough for these uh games like it just seems like there's got to be a reason why we have like the worst record against under 500 teams why are we so bad against bad teams is that tips fault because i feel like at some point it has to go back to the coach for you know like why are you not preparing us uh, how are you not preparing us properly for these games yeah that is a very strange stats and especially with the veteran you, you know to me this sort of a lot of this stuff lines up with young players but that's not really the makeup of this team anymore is you know you 
for the most part, you have more veteran guys who know how to deal with the situation and probably wouldn't fall into that trap of playing down. So, yeah, I can't explain it. That's that's just a really tough one right there, and it's, it's hard to know where to put the blame on that. But, yeah, that could be a tips thing. But overall, you know, I just think that, you know, Thibodeau, you know, has disappointed in a, in in a couple of ways. I thought much was made about the the Tibbs walkabout. I think as we called it, right? Like yeah. he took a season off and looked around the league, and I think a lot was made about you know him you know turning over a new leaf and evolving as 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 a coach and stuff and learning and, about the modern NBA. And I think we've pretty much sort of proven that that's not really the case. Like maybe he's evolved a little bit, but not in a major way. And so to me, that's the most frustrating thing about about the Tibbs stuff so far. He, you know, the the Timberwolves stuff is true, and also the fact that he doesn't play his rotation isn't very deep. He doesn't even want to play a guy like Marcus George's Hunt and and stuff like that. So that's the most disappointing stuff. But to me, there's I, there's no room to say fire Tibbs. He's just it's it's so he you know he we hired him and gave him a five year contract that he sort of is he can't really get out of. He's not gonna I don't know unless Glenn Taylor is super mad. He's not gonna fire him. I mean Tibbs has. The GM and the and the front and the coach role. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's steps. gonna be hard. Still, it's not gonna happen right now. Um, it's so early. First for thing that. that would have to happen is us missing the playoffs. Second yeah. thing that would have to happen is the players turn against him. Yeah. If like Cat went to uh, Glenn Taylor and said it's me or the coach, then <laughs> Glenn Taylor yeah. might have to act. Yep. Um, the first thing that would happen would be not be firing Tibbs. I think the first thing would be stripping him of his uh, president of basketball uh, organization slash uh, GM titles. Very standing Gundy. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Stan Van Gundy still got this them some, both, but yeah, he might the, get fired. Speculation for but this Doc summer. Doc Rivers got that taken away from uh-huh, him. Mike uh-huh. Boldenholzer got that taken away from him. Sure. So it seems like an experiment that's going to stop happening. So I think there would be steps to it. First, you would get that taken away from him before the firing. But I just think it's a little premature right now. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But I do think that the bloom is off the rose with Tom Thibodeau. At this yeah, point, yeah. we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have stopped. Neil and I used to be like, hey, he knows more than us. We'll trust him. We just kind of had a blind face and being like let's wait and see how it works out and then i can say that we're, we don't feel that way anymore now it's it's open season for questioning tom thibodeau and, yes uh, i think that's you know the first uh the first crack in the wall or whatever <laughs> metaphor you might use yeah that. Uh, definitely fair to question but uh don't hold your breath for tibbs going anywhere anytime soon that's not happening uh, and right now chicago bulls fans are like see this is uh this is the stuff now you know now you know the sort of uh nah, they're the like Pratt fire gar packs you know? <laughs> Um, okay, cool. We're going to move on here. He's on fire! Uh, Towns. Uh, oh, an appropriate drop right there. You're right. You're right. Carl Anthony Towns scored a lot of points the other night, Scott. Uh, quite the quite the performance. A, a franchise uh, record for uh, single, single game scoring with 56 big ones um, against Atlanta. Quite impressive. Put some respect on my name. Remember that. Yeah, we will now. You surpassed Mo Williams. You know. Jack Link's jerky. That's right. Towns 19 of 32 shooting the ball uh, the other night against Atlanta. Six of eight from three, 12 of 15 from free throw. He had 15 rebounds and four assists. Dude was just everywhere. Uh, wow, what a performance. We just had to mention it, had to talk about it. Such a, a big moment in franchise history. I, I couldn't believe it happened, really. It was. Uh, it kind of happened slowly and, and kind of watching back, it was, it kind of happened in a non, um, you know, he very evenly distributed, I think. You know what I mean? He didn't have like a 30 point quarter or, mm-hmm. you know, a 40 point half or something like that. He kind of really spread it out pretty even, but, uh, 
Yeah, it was very it reminded very impressive. Me, uh, you and I, a couple years back, were at the game where Corey Brewer went off. Right, yes. 51 points. Last game of the season against the Rockets. Yes, it was. We were both there. And I remember us being like, first we were like, Corey could get to a new career high. He is well, just like 30-something. <laughs> yeah. Like, he might do it. He might do it. And then right, we're like, then we were like oh, my God. Could Corey crack 40? And we were just going wild, like, Corey, get 40. You know, just going wild. And so it was like, kind of felt that way where it's like, oh, is Towns going to get 40? Is Towns going to get to 50? And it's like, yeah, get to 50. Yeah, get to 50. You get there and you're like, can Towns break the record? You know, happening? for the Timberwolves? Yeah. So it kind of felt like it kind of developed in similar fashion yes, there. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I guess thank you to the Atlanta Hawks for being so competitive that we didn't have to take them out at the end. It was just That's the right thing. combo. Like, yeah, they, yeah. We could not put the Hawks away, which is, again, pretty damning about how badly we've been playing this week. The Hawks yeah. are easily one of the worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And we let them stick around the entire game to the point where we needed Cat to play until the very end of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we actually treated this team if we took care of business, Cat would have been resting in the fourth quarter instead. So, uh, you know, I guess thank you to the Hawks or thank you to the Timberwolves' terrible defense for letting the Hawks stay in it long enough for Cat to get this record. Very, very good game. Very impressive, Towns. Coming, coming back, he was uh, very upset after that Memphis game, so it was good to see him come back and really uh, really you know, show what he's made of right there. And, and I think this is a number that he can break again and maybe again and again. Just with the, with the threes in his game, with the free throws in his game, this is something that I think he can re-break. So that's something to keep an eye on. Also, looking at his shooting, 32 shots. That's more like it for what we'd like. You know, that that seems like a lot of shots, but uh, coming soon, uh, hopefully by next season, that's more closer to the average amount of shots Towns gets. I mean, 32 is a lot, but hey, high 20s, mid 20s, let's get there with Towns. He He should have big numbers like this all the time. 32 isn't that much. He should be averaging in the 20s. He should be averaging in the 20s, but he's not. Yeah, so this is something that I think we're going to see a lot more of as Towns progresses in his career. It's not that crazy for him to get these kind of shots. He can get easy buckets inside, free throws, threes. He's got it all, obviously. So much more, I think, in this vein to come from Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Anything else, Scott, on on Towns' big night? Uh, Towns got to 50 before Wiggins did. (laughs) There you go. He did. We wondered. They both had those 40-point games, like 47-point games or whatever, in the same week last season. I think it might have been a predicted Last season, predicting which one would get to 51st, and now we know. It's yeah. Cat. Congratulations, Cat. Totally. Congrats, Cat. Okay. Uh, moving on to five questions with Hope You Enjoy. Had a wonderful uh, uh, chat with Joe Mandy a few days ago. And uh, yeah, we talked to him. So enjoy five questions with Joe Mandy. Yes, it's five questions with, and uh, today, as usual, we have a very special guest. Uh, but first, we got to get to his credits. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, he's a producer and writer of NBC's The Good Place. Uh, he's written on other shows like Parks and Recreation and Kroll Show. Um, and in my opinion, he is the most famous Timberwolves fan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's Joe Mandy. Oh, hi. On the show. Wow, thank you. Would you agree with that assessment that you're the most famous 
uh, Timberwolves fan, before you answer, here are the criteria. You okay. have to have had, you know, been a fan for at least maybe like five years minimum, something like that. Uh-huh. And also, you have to you have to kind of watch all the games. You have to at least be known to to be around. You know, you think of guys like oh, you know, in the past like Jesse Ventura, or even right. maybe a little bit more recently um, Nick Swartzen, another comedy guy. You know, sure. but I don't know. I don't see Swartzen tweeting about the team. I don't see him around. So I don't know. I think I think you're the guy. I don't know. I, I was going to like Nick Swartzen's name was uh, like the first person I thought of because he definitely like texts me about the Timberwolves a lot. OK, and so you're, you're so vouching for him here. I would vouch for him. I mean, like the Jesse Ventura thing always bugged me uh, because it's like he lives off the grid in Mexico or whatever. So he certainly <laughs> isn't like watching League Pass the way I am. <laughs> But I mean, I guess yeah. it, could, you know, it could be between me and uh, Nick Sporson. Yeah, and then obviously, which is a sad, which is a sad state of affairs. Obviously, it's yeah, the, yeah. Well, that's that, what that's why this team is. You know, I think it's perfect for an opportunity for people like you or Sportson <laughs> because there's no, you know, there's no national TV a lot of times, and of course, losing for the last ten years, it's going right. to weed out everybody. Nobody wants right. to really watch that, so it's only weird people like you and and uh, you know uh, comedians. So. Um, well, good. Well, well, I call. I say it's you, but uh, you know, and it's going to be hard for someone to come take the throne because they're going to have to come in and and sort of prove that they've you know they know about you know s- certain players from the past and stuff. So exactly, yeah. I think that's you your to, corner for now. You have to quiz them on Sporkle, like Timberwolves, <laughs> like trivia games. See how how well they do. Yeah, they have to have an opinion on sort of you know draft picks from the past. You know what I mean? They have to they have to be able to you know know about Rashad McCants and, and West Johnson exactly. and, and stuff like yeah. that. And, and I know that you have that knowledge. So I believe I have a Rashad McCants jersey somewhere in my closet. So yeah, and that's why you're on the show. Uh, yeah. thank, thank you for joining us. We have five questions for Joe um, here. Question number one: Joe, growing up in St. Paul. Um, in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, what was your experience like as a Timberwolves fan? Uh, I mean, it was very deep. I actually, so I moved to, my family moved to Minnesota when I was like uh, 11 years old, I believe. Mm, yeah. And um, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So weirdly, even before I lived in Minnesota, I was a, a, a Timberwolves fan because uh, when I fell in love with basketball, uh, all I really had was the University of New Mexico <laughs> Lobos and like the king, I would argue the most important Lobo of all time was Luke Longley, wow. who was then drafted by the Timberwolves. So I followed the Timberwolves from New Mexico. And then when my family ended up moving there, I mean, I was just like, well, this is, you know, it's preordained or something. Uh, yeah, and you know, so I was I was just so psyched to live in a city with uh, pro sports teams, and basketball's always been my favorite sport. And I uh, I don't know, I just became an instant Timberwolves fan. And then like, what really like cemented it was the uh, like Kevin Garnett getting drafted. I remember my I was at summer camp. My dad sent me the front page of the sports section with a note just saying like, this guy's only five years older than you <laughs> and he's in the NBA. And I don't know. I was just like, I felt very like attached to I, Like I, uh, other than like, you know, my close friends and family, I feel like Kevin, I, Kevin Garnett, someone I would like weirdly like take a bullet for or something. Like I love him it, on a level that is like inappropriate. Uh, and the like, yeah, the Kevin Garnett, Stefan Marbury, like Christmas tree graffiti era 
uh, Timberwolves yeah. like hold a, a very special place in my heart. Yeah. So wow. So it started with Longley. Longley was Longley was the gateway. That, I, that, yeah. I did not expect to hear that. That. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And then and then it went to KG. And then obviously the team sort of you know you know they kind of incrementally got better every single year in in, in that time. Do you remember yeah. you know sort of following along and you know having hope and then sort of you know you know this was a different kind of you know era of you know the Timberwolves not being just bad all the time, but they were, you know, just taking steps each year, it seemed like, to, you know, get further and further in the playoffs. I mean, I guess they were first round outs for a while, but it was exciting yeah. because they were making the playoffs. Was Do you remember, you know, being here in town? Were you going to games at that time as, as a kid and stuff? And, and what was it like uh, to cheer for those time, teams? Yeah, I mean, like, my, weirdly, my best friend from high school, had his mom had, like, some kind of, like, season ticket situation through her company. So I went to a lot of games. Uh, right when they were, you know, actually at a similar point to the current team where, you know, they were good. I don't know if you remember the era where, like, we played the Rockets, I believe, yeah, first in the round. first round. Yeah, and, Barkley, like, Charles right? Barkley was like, this team's going to be very good. It, it feels similar to, like, where the team is currently. Um, so I, I was around for, for that era a bit, and then I, I went off to college. So when they got really good, I was sort of already uh, – I had already left Minnesota, but um, – you know, I still attest that if Sam Cassell doesn't get hurt, like we would have beaten that late, that like dysfunctional Lakers team, and then yeah. I think probably beaten the Pistons. So it's just like it's such a bummer, like how that sometimes works out, where just like you lose one integral part of your team, and uh, all of a sudden it's like what could have been. Like that KG was so dominant his MVP year that I just I think if things had just shaken out a little differently, they would have won the title that year. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Question number two. Uh, in, in 2011, you famously got into a Twitter fight with uh, Gilbert Arenas. Um, uh, if people don't know about this, I'll, I'll um, uh, link to the, the Comedy Central clip. There's a nice, tidy, uh, you can do a stand-up bit about this uh, three-minute yeah. clip that's online that you can check out. But basically, the short version is uh, you were calling out Gilbert Arenas for um, some misogynistic and other sort of uh, things he would post on Twitter that were sort of out there and not really you know kind of crazy stuff he would post. And and then he he, uh, he he found out about you, and you guys got into a little Twitter beef, <laughs> a little back and forth, and then he just deleted his account. Um, yeah. So, you know, I know you are not on Twitter anymore these days, but I'm just kind of wondering, uh, you know, what you think about the current state of NBA players and social media, maybe as it pertains to some Timberwolves, or I don't know, you seem to have, um, you know, opinions about, you know, about these, this type of thing, even though this sure. was a while ago, but how do you sure. think things are now? Has, has your Twitter exit, you know, you're, you're leaving Twitter, has that been something that you know have you changed your mind kind of on these things it got too overwhelming for you obviously yeah well well the, the gilbert arenas thing was literally i believe like maybe my second week on <laughs> twitter like i was still trying to like figure out what like this platform was or whatever and i had been i mean i guess it must have been a little bit longer than that because i had been following gilbert arenas on twitter and i was just sort of like and I think everyone was just still trying to figure out what this thing was and how to use it properly. Right. And I just felt like he was like for someone who is like in the public sphere was using it in sort of like an inappropriate way and uh, wrote up a thing, whatever we got into a, a it was like my first Twitter fight. Yeah. And I, uh, I also, it was funny to me cause he considers himself a comedian and like was just, uh, kept setting me up for 
jokes. Like every time he he came back at me, it was always done in a way where I could just like hit him way harder, you know. And <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I think at some point, someone in the like Orlando Magic, uh, you know, management told him to like stop fighting with me because it was embarrassing. <laughs> and then he ended up he ended up he like kind of lost it pretty quickly. Like we had been fighting for a few hours. And then at one point he unfollowed everyone and then only started following me. And wow. then shortly after that, he like deleted his whole account. And then I had a lot of Orlando magic fans getting mad at me. Cause you know, he was such a fun person to follow and I was responsible, you know, whatever. I mean, like, I'm not like proud of it. It's like, you, I, 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 you should never be proud of any like Twitter fight, but I think <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, but I think you're right too. It kind of was a wild west of, of, you know, celebrities on Twitter and that kind of thing. It's social media and decorum yeah. as far as that stuff goes. And now it's yeah. like, you look at like Joel Embiid and he's, he does such a good job with it and is so funny with it and, and can, you know, he, he, he brings it into the game in some ways and stuff. And I don't know. It's, totally. it's a very I, I, different era now. Yeah. It really is. And I think like if Gilbert Arenas were in the NBA now, he would be great at it. Like, it's also yeah. just like I, I, everyone sort of figured out the proper way to use it. Cause he, I mean, I do think there are, I mean, I like that was what was so upsetting about the whole thing was that I was just kind of, you know, messing around, and then all of a sudden, it, it got very heated and weird. And I like I lo- I loved Gilbert Arenas. I you know I used to read his blog and all that. Like I like it was just uh, I think yeah. So anyway, I think you're right that players are more refined now and have figured out a way to like let people in. I mean, that's also Instagram has been insane because now you can follow these guys and just see how they live their life. I mean, uh, I follow so many basketball players on Twitter and like, like Kevin Love, for example, I'm just fascinated by all the stuff he watches on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or like Wiggins just playing with his dog all the time. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, question number three. Uh, in season two of the Netflix show Master of None, um, there's a scene where two characters debate Carl Towns versus Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Um, yeah, I, I believe you were you were a writer. You were part of uh, working on on that show, so I assume you had a, had a part with that. But how that yeah. scene all come <laughs> together, and do you often have ideas to incorporate the Timberwolves um, into stuff you work on or NBA um, NBA things like that? Well, so yeah. So I wrote for season one of Master of None, and then um, season two there was sort of like a scheduling conflict with the Good Place, so I couldn't really be in the room. But they would send me the scripts, and I would you know you know, pitch jokes and stuff on the, on the scripts. And, and I believe, uh, Alan Yang and Aniz Ansari, who are both writers on the show. Um, this is like a fight we had been having, you know, personally for, for months. It was like their rookie year. And so they, they basically put it into, uh, that episode kind of just like to throw a bone to me because they just wanted me to (laughs) pitch. So then I, you know, they, I took the script and then must have written, you know, two full pages of jokes and (laughs) observations comparing towns and Perzingis. And then they, you know, whittled it down to like that, you know, 10 second interaction or whatever. It's just very funny to see a scene with, uh, you know, two middle-aged Indian people very worked up about, uh, these two, you know, seemingly random, uh, basketball players. 
Wow. So you two. So you wrote. You know, this was this. So this was a way you're saying for them to, to to really loop you in a little bit more, and they knew that you would have lots of opinions about this and come up with some yeah. good stuff. Yeah. And then, does anything like this have to go run by towns and Porzingis people, like or the players' association, or sort of what's the inner workings of getting something like that? Is there anything else you have to do to like mention them at all, or is it just free reign? Hey, get throw these no, jerseys I on mean, these people and not- make jokes. I mean, there are rules for some of that, but we weren't really defaming them. I yeah. mean, it was it was just like a realistic conversation between two basketball fans. I know, uh, I, I don't think the, they had to get the players association involved. I know we we used to do stuff with uh, the Indianapolis Colts for Parks and Recreation, and when you do that, we were actually working with like the team and their players. You were in the stadium uh, and, and stuff like that, exactly. right? Exactly. The yeah. NFL is like super litigious, so they they got to look at the scripts and um, you know could could take out jokes that they were um, not okay with and stuff. So yeah, it, it depends on the league and everything. But yeah, I think I think we were just able to to write the, those jokes about towns and Przingis without much trouble. Yeah, and then do you ever think of other things for, you know, other ideas to, to work in players? I mean, something like that's kind of easy and it's just a way to work in a conversation thing, but do you ever have bigger ideas as far as, you know, different, uh, maybe Timberwolves players to work with? I know you're a Rubio guy for the last uh, bunch of years. Yeah. Did you ever imagine anything that you could, you know, maybe put him into or or, uh, or, or somehow incorporate him? Certainly. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I it's hard with the good place just because the show takes place uh, in the afterlife. So right. uh, if, I, if I believe me, if I could have found a way to get, you know, Jimmy Butler on the show, I would have done it by now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it was easier for, if you're, if you write on a show like a, uh, like Kroll show or a sketch show, the, the chances of possibly getting someone are higher. Cause it's, you know, to get someone into a sketch, you know, they would probably only need a couple hours of their time. Yeah, they can come on as a cameo more more uh, more efficiently yeah, than you know, exactly. have to work some way in and why uh, Jimmy Butler's dead and right. uh, you know he's here in the good place. I know uh, that like 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 the like Kroll like with the league. The league was like a good example of that for football, where you have a oh, yeah. show all all about a fantasy football league. And it was just like an obvious thing to get a million cameos on the show. So yeah, if I were uh, if I were really focused, I would probably try to get a show on the air where I. Uh, you know, played a basketball agent or so, yeah, a, a, a new R list too. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this could, this is like at least a, you know, a web series of sorts. There's so something, there's something in there. Right. So I'm sure. Arlis yeah. sure we'll, Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know once you once you find an opportunity, you'll take advantage of it. There, there will yeah. be there will be a more Timberwolves in uh, in the comedy world type of thing um, yes. coming coming soon. Um, well, that's a good transition. Next question, question four: um, Who do you think is the funniest current or recent Timberwolves player? Um, you know, as as a comedian yourselves, uh, you know, maybe not, maybe not even someone. Obviously, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler. You know, he's he's the top dog. He's you know he's very much an alpha and he's holding court yeah. all the time. So he, maybe he's not obvious one but as a comedian maybe you notice things from players social media or interviews or even just stuff on the court of someone who you might think um you know even if they're not outwardly so funny that could could be a good stand-up or or might have good comedy instincts right well i think you know butler is very funny i think he kind of reminds me of like an improv guy who like can't turn it off (laughs) like he i feel like he's always sort of like doing a permanent bit you know with the like country music and driving around in a minivan and stuff so i i really respect that but i could see that 
possibly getting somewhat exhausting. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, personally, the people I've found the funniest over the years have been like, uh, I think Wiggins is just so like, like, uh, charming and shy that it's just like, just for the world of the NBA, I find it funny that he's yeah. such an introvert. Uh, and uh, Ricky Rubio always cracked me up just similarly, just cause he's just like so pure and, and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, change that face, be happy sort of mentality. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, it's, it would be hard for me to say like, who's the fun, who could be like a stand up comic. I have no idea. I, I, I like the people I gravitate to, like also like Andre Karolenko <laughs> always cracked me up just <laughs> with his like secret, uh, angel back tattoo yes uh, yeah and that his did he had some kind of like weird agreement with his wife right mm, yeah yeah of course yeah so very all that's, well all that's very funny to me. i mean I, I think again not to go back to kg but i think probably the funniest thing any nba player's ever done is that story about kg getting so mad at watching making the band that he <laughs> punched his head through a wall do you know that whole story yeah i recently read that yeah. i think uh ty Lu, uh current Cavs head coach i think kind of talked was talking about that basically yeah. like, he was in a room with kg and they were watching that show and it's like a competition show and so he would get so fired up and one time he what he headbutt a wall or punched through a wall or something yeah i don't know who he got mad at chopper city or die long <laughs> he got someone he got so mad at one of them for not like you know, giving it their all or walking to juniors for cheesecake or whatever. And he got so mad at them because he, he, everything goes back to like heart and basketball that like he was, he was treating it like a playoff game. And he's like, you gotta go, you gotta give it your all. And you know, they're just chilling out watching TV and then he headbutted a wall and put a hole in it. Yeah. He's, so his, his energy know. is his energy and all that passion that everybody loves about him is not, you know, just limited to the court. Like it is seemingly his whole life. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so uh, fascinating. That's why KG, you know, the area 21 thing is, is often so good. He's, he's, he's very good. He's gotten so much better at it. And I don't know, in front of a can, you can always just go, like you kind of mentioned improv earlier. And I think he's kind of a guy like that too, where he can just go and go. And he's really great at hosting that show and throwing it to people and stuff. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's the best. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I could see little Charles Brewell secretly being funny i don't know uh yeah i i'll I'll go with jimmy butler just because that's the the he's the most like um obvious one to me just he's he's just legit funny yeah i think i think you might have a good you know you might have a good opportunity someday to put him in something you know he is very funny and he definitely you know you know the Wahlberg thing and you know he he was in what some movie some christmas movie a cameo some christmas movie recently and stuff so i think he sort of would lean towards those things you know he lives in la maybe i don't know maybe that would be something he would be into doing a little bit more of is jumping into you know uh, you know comedy sitcom or I don't know something like that. Right. I, I could definitely see him doing something like that. You know, it could be you know you never know. It could be someone surprise you too. It could be like Cole Aldrich or something <laughs> yeah. secretly like 
just got like a, a solid 10 minute set. Everyone says Gorgie is hilarious. And that is oh, really? not something yeah. that you usually, you know, you don't really see that outwardly as like a, as a, as a Timberwolves fan, but that's just an example of, I think, you know, the actual, you know, in the locker room, there are, there's like a different level of like guys who, you know, you don't really see in the interviews come out as super funny, but I do hear lots of people have said Gorgie over the years. That rules. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I would, uh, I would happily go see him at an open mic. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Last question here with Joe Mandy. Question number five. Um, and we'll finally get to talk about, you know, some more current, uh, Timberwolves, uh, uh things here with the current team. Um, as a fan, how have you dealt with the transition? Um, the team has made this season after losing consistently for um, over a decade now there's like expectations and nitpicking um, that come with winning and, and I'm just wondering how you're dealing with all that because it's it's one thing to sort of watch a team that's perpetually bad and, and you don't have to there's, there's sort of a low level of even though it's a lot of pain the little tiny cuts I guess every night there's not a whole lot of hand wringing about the future and a lot of you know you're just kind of bad and it's, it's a different kind of yeah. analysis whereas you know I was listening to your interview with Zach Harper um, you know, from uh, from like a month ago or, or two months ago, and you know, you had kind of brought up the idea that it was kind of weird how everyone was nitpicking this team when it's like we're finally winning for the first time. Like, can we chill out? So, I wonder if you could talk about that and, and kind of you know, talk about how you, as a fan this year, have, have dealt with all those things. Well, it's weird because like I uh, I felt like after the last how long thirteen years that I had become sort of like inoculated to the pain yeah. of losing. Like yeah. I almost expected it. And I, I just, I just sort of wish the trajectory of the season had been a bit different because I got kind of comfortable with sort of being the three, four seed. True. Yeah. And the last few weeks have been um, just sort of surprisingly painful to me. Like I had, I kind of yeah. wish like the season had started like this, and then we moved into sort of like the 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 way that. The, t- the trailblazers have gone this season right just um, incrementally upward the entire season pretty much exactly i so like the i i was in a sort of a dark place the other night after the grizzlies loss i just couldn't deal with that fourth quarter and i yeah. like my my mood is so strangely attached to the timberwolves season and like i like so i guess i've just been sort of uh angry and depressed for 13 years but (laughs) i was like in a like very comfortable place and you know i still think we'll probably make the playoffs and um i guess like it's just it's a it's a new feeling it's a new source of pain to feel something like slipping away rather than it just being hopeless from the beginning it's uh i don't know it's uh i i think they can they can bounce back and yeah i think it's just it just shows how important butler is to the team that you know they just seem sort of incapable of playing defense without him so uh i would love for them to find a like defensive identity i guess that's that which is not i don't think that's like nitpicky i think that's just like that's the next big step they have to make like you know yep. they seem to score at will and we have like you know Towns and Wiggins, who are just such dominant at times players on on one side of the court, and you just feel like it's it's hard to understand why Thibodeau, who's supposed to be this like defensive genius, that isn't it hasn't yeah. seemed to translate yet. Yeah, they definitely need to figure out that end of the ball. They've been a top five offense pretty much all season, and you know, yeah, the defense is really where the issues are, and maybe that's something they can deal with over the you know. 
next season or, or something like that. Um, but uh, you know, I was wondering if you know, as as a as a you know noted Timberwolves fan, I'm sure lots of your friends know that this is one of your obsessions. You know, as the t- as the season has been relatively successful, obviously, well, very successful, yeah. I would say, in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Ha- have 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 people kind of come out and be like, "Hey, Joe, finally, your your team is is, is coming around." You have you have friends and stuff who are uh, noticing oh, yeah. that the team is good and stuff. Yes, it's like uh, there are some people in LA who, for the first time, have heard of the Timberwolves. Almost, <laughs> so it's like it's a good thing. It's yeah, no, things are headed in the right direction for sure. Nice. Well, good. Well, um, Joe, Mandy, thank you so much for joining us uh, for five questions with. Um, make sure you're checking out um, NBC's The Good Place. Uh, I believe season yes, one is on Netflix right now. You can see season two on Hulu, and I think uh, I'm sure two will be moving on over to Netflix eventually. Is, is that right to say? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And um, you have stand-up specials that you can check out on Netflix um, as well. What yep. else? What else do people yep. need to see, and, and where can they find you? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll have uh, tour dates up in a, in a couple months, probably. And uh, coming so back to Minnesota me, eventually. Yeah. Eventually, I hope so. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, yeah, other than that, I don't know. I, I I sometimes appear on TV shows occasionally. I don't know. I like keep your eyes uh, out. Just watch the Good Place. That's all. In my <laughs> in my stand-up special. That's all I care about. Well, awesome. Um, so yeah, make sure check out those things. Uh, you can follow Joe on Instagram and yeah. um, follow follow him there. And yeah, check out his his shows. And uh, yeah, uh, Joe, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the show today. Dude, my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, let's get to our sponsor. Got to pay the bills. And this week, our sponsor is the No Perspective Complainers Club. Scott, we uh, we like to complain from time to time, but uh, these folks here at the No Perspective Complainers Club, they take the cake. They, they go for it. They, they can complain about anything. Yeah, it's like, you know, talking about taking the cake. You know, they're the kind of people who would get a cake and be like, this isn't the right flavor. It's like, well, you just got a cake, man. Yeah. Maybe I'm don't re- complain about the flavor, I'm huh? Re- I'm returning this cake that I, I custom bought yeah. right here. It's like, come on, man. Don't don't let the flavor of the cake make you miss the the idea of you just got a cake. And that's what we're seeing this season, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. We lost it against Memphis. We, which is a terrible loss. Terrible loss, for sure. And yet, we also sealed our first winning season oh. since KG. That's right. In this past week. Yes. And so it's funny, you know, it's like first winning season, so successful. It's been more than a dozen years since we've been this good, and yet it's fire the coach. Oh, yes. Get Thibodeau out of here. Get him out, you guys. Get This cannot stand. And you know, we're just preparing you because you know what's going to come. A couple weeks from now, we're going to go to the playoffs. Back in the playoffs, baby. We've been dreaming of this since George Bush's first term oh, yeah. in office. And it's going to happen in the complainers, the No Perspective Complainers Club is going to come out and say, hey, these playoff tickets are too pricey. I've been a season ticket member for 13 years, and now I can't go to the playoff game because these tickets, they're too expensive. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, with No Complainers, No Perspective Complainers Club, they just want to make sure that you're with them and complaining about all the little things. Um, you know, as it says in the title of, of their of their club, make sure you have no perspective. Don't think back too far about where we've come from. Um, you know, the team, uh, yeah, sure, the team has won more games than any season in the last 13 years. But, yeah, these season ticket memberships or prices are way too high right now, you guys. Can you see these numbers? Oh, my gosh. 
can't believe it. You know, they're winning, sure, but wow, what, these prices, jeez. Jeff Teague's been good this year, but he's going to be too expensive in three years from now. That's really going to ha- hamper our cap space. What are we going to do? I can't enjoy Timberwolves basketball today knowing in three years from now we're going to have a tight cap. And you too can be a, a member of the No Perspective Complainers Club. Just look at those green jerseys. What an ugly shade of green. Who likes green at all anyway? The green jerseys are so loud. And the city jerseys are too boring. They're not loud enough. I want something to match an ideal that can't be represented in reality. So uh, make sure you check out the No Perspective Complainers Club, you guys. And just remember that no matter the timing or context of our eventual playoff exits, it will be Andrew Wiggins' fault. Get your complaints ready now, everybody, okay? We overpaid him. Wow, we're going to pay this much money. Is someone not gonna All right, time to review some Target Center food. Welcome to tonight's game featuring your Minnesota Timberwolves versus the bad guys. But first, it's time for Target Center Food Review. All right, uh, as we've mentioned many times, Scott and I, we, uh, we attended the Timberwolves basketball game this week. Uh, haven't been to too many together, um, but uh, the ones we have attended, we've eaten. We've, we've consumed. Yeah, and it, it, the rumors are true. We have been no- nominated and also given advance warning that we're going to win the James Beard Award for oh, Best yeah. Podcast f- Food Reviews. It's a new it's a new award with the James Beard Awards. They're giving out uh, awards to podcasts these days. They're who the, want to it's like the food. Oscars of the food world. Yes. And, you know what? I'm flattered to accept. You know, uh, sure. Our food reviews have been the height of culinary criticism uh, the past few years. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to say, think that the Target Center's food has improved because of us. Oh, A couple yeah. years ago, it was very generic stuff. And we talked about it, and they've heard us, and they have st- made strides. I feel heard. To rectify that. And this year, giant leap forward. Oh, there's some bunch of new items. Yes, new items. Applause for you, Target Center. You know, we've already reviewed uh, the Parlor Burger and uh, some things uh, from the FEMA's uh, restaurant area. Little and, drummies. Uh, ooh, those drummies are good. And uh, now now we're going to move on to um, a couple other food stands that we, we've been wanting to get to all season long. And we're going to start out uh, with an item called the Soda Rito. And it's uh, from Sota Roll. This is the week where things got fishy, Neil. <laughs> things got a little bit fishy. Sota Roll is like a, a chain, what would you call it, Asian fusion place? I don't know. They do have locations that are not in an arena. Uh, Sota Roll. Yep, so, I was confused because uh, I saw them on Postmates. And I was like, what? Isn't that in the <laughs> arena? Huh? Yeah. Uh, so the Sota Rito is a sushi burrito. I don't think it should be advertised that way. A sushi burrito. We were talking about this beforehand, and and you were kind of unsure, Neil, about whether this was going to be worth it. Maybe we should try something else. Yeah. Because uh, people hear the word sur- sushi burrito, and they're like, "That's gross. Those those are flavors that don't mix." You know, like sushi and Mexican food. And I just think it's bad branding because it's there's nothing Mexican about this dish. No. There, it, there. Not it's not really. even in a tortilla. It's in a lettuce wrap. So the whole, I get it. It kind of it's wrapped like a burrito, but it, it's just basically a. Uh, you you know, a sushi roll that has lettuce wrapped around it. Yeah, you get uh, what like two two halves essentially, right? Yep, the cut, cut, in, cut half. in the middle, easy to share. We got a little peanut sauce for dipping. When I ordered, I chickened out a little bit. We have been talking, Neil, about chickened out. Ooh, that's very appropriate. <laughs> that's, man, I wish I could drop a sound drop for that right now. <laughs> uh, we talked about how we weren't sure about the sushi aspect of it, and so when I got to the counter first, I ordered a crab. 
Sodorito. They had the crab and they had crab meat, uh, shrimp as well. And that had some stuff like cream cheese and mm-hmm. some other like more Asian in flavoring in there, more like traditional sushi. And then I saw that there was a spicy pork option Ooh. and a chicken teriyaki option. Okay. And so I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me get the chicken teriyaki instead. Okay, you switched up. And I chickened out, and that's chickened once again. Out, yeah, got yeah, the chicken yeah. instead. P- pun intended. Just because I was a little worried. I wish I had gone through with the crab just so I could get the definitive kind of sushi uh-huh, experience. Uh-huh. But we went with the chicken instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like we said, it is a lettuce tortilla. Um, yeah, it was like uh, it was like rice, like you can imagine in in the in a sushi roll, mm-hmm. but it had lettuce, sort of a very thin layer of lettuce, kind of wrapped around that, really just to hold it all together a little bit extra, and then tin foil outside of that. So you kind of get the burrito. It's it's it, the way you hold it is like a burrito, but the way it sort of tastes and the way you kind of bite into it. Eh, I mean, again, it, it is a very you know, it is the borderline of burrito and sushi. <laughs> it's done very well. Yeah, and it tasted, and I'm just gonna lay my biases out there. I'm not a big sushi eater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before two years ago, I don't think I had sushi. Yes. So I'm still pretty new Quiet to it. Taste. I don't have the you know sushi yeah. uh, taste where I can be really discerning about it. Uh-huh. But this tasted like sushi to me, even yeah. though it didn't have the fish in it. It had chicken instead. But the way that the rice was held together, the other flavoring in it, it was very uh, reminiscent of a California roll or something elsewhere. Where When I ate it, I got a very distinct sushi flavor profile where I was like, yes, this does remind me of sushi. Yeah, lots of rice. And you know what I liked about it and kind of the sushi angle of it, it was it's kind of a uh, a chilled a light you know uh, very you know cold in your mouth like and that's kind of a different experience for an arena you know type food um but well, most I, I of it's room it. temperature it. or is heated yeah. up you know mostly hot food you get there yeah exactly but in this item it's all it's it's chilled it's, it's kept cool and it's a nice very refreshing um kind of bite so yeah you know that's something cool and I different felt. about refreshed. it yes refreshed about it so you know i, I really like that uh you know the chicken um um, you know, n- not great as far as just the meat goes, um, but, you know, it was definitely a very light and fresh bite. Um, you know, had some avocado in there. That that was nice. And and uh, also came with a little bit of peanut sauce on the side, which was which was very good. But also we, we noted that you, did, you didn't need it for every single bite. You know, every other bite, you just dip it in there and, and get a lot. And then you can kind of, uh, you know, enjoy that. So, so the peanut sauce is good, but it's also nice that you don't have to have it because it does get kind of extra messy when you have to dip that in the sauce every bite yeah i agree the sauce is tasty but it's nice to know that it can stand on its own as its own thing i think it's a very unique offering uh maybe a little bit too expensive it was 15 dollars, and if i i mean we split it neil but right. if i had even if i had the whole thing i don't think it would fill me up in the way other things you can get it's not uh, a full meal do. no you'd want to get a side from Sodorito as well but i also think that sort of roll some people are looking for that not everyone's looking to get stuffed at halftime sure so, or with like uh carb really carb fatty Big food burger, stuff like that yeah. fries i think some people just want a light refreshing kind of health full stack and this is probably i mean this is a very healthy dish yeah and i just think that if you were looking for something that is like uh i don't want to get filled up on something greasy i just want something light refreshing tasty uh this would be right in that wheelhouse just 15 dollars is a little high for that but um you know if you have those high-end tastes and you are yeah you need that crab meat right exactly (laughs) it might be right up your alley all right, great. Um, I'd recommend trying it for fun and uh, finding out for yourself. It's yeah. definitely worth trying. You don't even have to be at the game, I guess. Maybe you'll just see Soda Roll somewhere Go else. Soda Roll. Give it a shot. 
Okay, um, item number two that we tried out uh, were the walleye nachos from Lord Fletcher's. This was a recommendation um, to us from a friend of the show, uh, uh, Jeff Munich. Shout uh, to Jeff. Friend of all Timberwolves fans, Jeff Munich. We should get a Jeff Munich sound drop. <laughs> he was letting us know that this is something that we had to check out, so we took his recommendation, and I was happy with his recommendation. This is something that um, did not launch um, right away at the beginning of the season um, at Lord Fletcher's. They were featured their like walleye sandwich a little bit more to start but this is something that has been added since then and is new now um and you know the main thing you need to know about these walleye nachos is that there are kettle chips um featured here instead of your traditional tortilla chip and uh the way that was explained to me uh, by jeff was you know kettle chips don't really get soggy quite as quick so it's a little bit better for a long-term eating and you know you can just right you know you can eat those and have that crunch every single bite and i felt that was true all the way down to the bottom Kettle chips was nice. Um, uh, what else is on these? You get kettle chips, you get lettuce, pico salsa, and then um, something of a sauce. Didn't really check Some into kind of what it is. Sauce. Yeah, it's sort of like an aioli cheese sauce. Nice, really nice sauce. Um, and then you you get the walleye meat on there. Um, and you know, I know again, we're talking about fish, talking about seafood right now, not what you think about when you go to an arena in the Midwest. But you know, this meat was was very light, not overly fishy, almost to a fault. It we're kind of couldn't really tell what kind of meat this was. It tasted more like chicken than anything else. It tasted not. It tasted like nothing. It was tasted a little like nothing. It was just like I, I remember talking to you. I was like, if I didn't tell you what this protein was before you ate it, would you guess what, what was it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, you can tell that it's got the texture of fish, like there, you know, pork, chicken, beef, whatever. That's it's not as light in texture. So um, I think that was the main thing the walleye added to the nachos is that you know the chips were crunchy and you know how chips are. You know how kettle chips kettle are. Kettle chips. But then the lettuce is light, the pico and the cheese are a little, you know, spicy. But there was nothing that gave you the texture that this walleye does. It yeah. really feels good in combination with the crunchy and spicy aspects to have something just like kind of light and fluffy like that. I thought was a welcome addition, even though I think the taste could have been stronger. You know, we enjoyed the kettle chips, but they're also, you know, a, re- a good a good thing about tortilla chips is that they're enormous, big old chips. You can get a big old bite of all those toppings right on there. Whereas kettle chips, they're kind of folded over a lot of times, like in the bacon, and, and you really just can't get a lot of the toppings on there. So that's my main um, that's my main sort of argument against this item is that it's really hard to eat these like a proper nacho with just the chips because you to get the best bite you want to get the lettuce the pico the sauce the meat you you need a full bite and you it's really hard to get that with just the chips so we went to the forks especially with the, <laughs> the walleye wasn't diced up very yeah finely. big chunks there were some really big chunks of walleye where it was like this chunk of walleye is bigger than two chips put together so make sure you grab a fork uh if indeed you do grab the walleye nachos from lord F- fletcher's because you'll need those to get to get a proper bite um and again just like uh the sodorito kind of it's $15 and it wasn't a ton of food for that much and you know we kind of thought maybe this is just the going rate for you know this size of food nowadays nowadays at uh, Target Center but it's not about the yeah. size as much as the gimmick sure they can charge a few dollars extra for the gimmick because there's and, fish in it yep and yeah. so the gimmick I mean the soda roll had more of a gimmick, which is this a sushi at a arena kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas this gimmick is these are nachos, but we put fish on top. And I think that, you know, they could keep the fish, the size of the fish, the exact same, like give us the same amount of yes. walleye, but double the amount of chips we can get. You would at least Those feel like cheap. At least. Yeah, Throw exactly. <laughs> that lettuce costs you nothing. Uh, so give us a bigger boat, you know, of uh-huh. chips. And that way you feel like it's a little bit more of your money's worth and they're not losing money because like you said, the chips are cheap. It's the walleye where that you 
you cheap. know the the money is coming yeah. into it. Yeah. So I, I would appreciate some more chips. Um, I did like the cheese sauce, a little bit spicy, but not like spicy, like, oh, this is too hot for me to eat. Just a nice it's kick. just a little tang yeah. that it brings to the, yeah. um, so I was very happy with the nachos, but once again, $15, I can't see myself getting these again in the future yeah. just because I don't feel like I was got enough value on the return of that, but very tasty. So there you go. Two tasty treats for you to try out when you're at Target Center. To if me, this is the last time, uh, we do yeah. food reviews of the year. I think Parlor Burger number one. Uh, that's just, that's the jam. Just easily said number one. So good. Number one. And I also like the chicken drummies more. Yep. Me too. As well. Me but too. These are. I haven't had anything bad at the stadium. No. These are. These are still very welcome additions. They're very different. This is a. The, both these things are very different options from what you're normally going to see on a concourse. So you know, thumbs up to everything they're doing over there at Target Center as far as you know a little bit of variety in the food options uh, that you can get at a Timberwolves game. So check them out. It's not quite as crazy as baseball yet, where it's like we took this baked potato. <laughs> We we're put a there. sausage through it, then we wrap the <laughs> potato and bacon, and that's a real thing. I we're think get- the Rangers are doing that this year. We're getting there. Yeah. Okay, that's it for Target Center Food Review. Uh, we're going to wrap this show up with a game. All right, that's right, everybody. It is not an episode of Wolves Cast if there is not a game at the end of it. Because what are sports, after all? They're yes. Games. Competition. And score We're competitive people, you know? Sure. So, sure. Neil, uh, I'm not sure if you heard. Carl Anthony Towns scored 56 points. That's a lot of points. Puts oh him gosh. in rare territory Ooh. among Timberwolves franchise players. Yes. What we got? So tonight we have a little bit of a quiz about the other Timberwolves who have scored 50 points in the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. 50 point scores. All right. First question, Neil. Can you name the four Wolves who have scored 50 points or more in a game? I believe I can. It will be Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Mo Williams, Corey Brewer, and Kevin Love. That is correct. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Of those four, Neil, which did it with the least shots? <laughs> wow. Get to 50 with the least amount of shots. Um, I'll probably say Carl Towns is a lot. What we say, 32? or I think it's 33. 32. 32. 30. No, it's 32. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll give it up for... I'll say Kevin Love. He only had 51. Yeah. Yes. He shot a lot of free throws in that game. Oh, I Kevin bet. I he bet. 27 shots. That was the Clippers, right? Clippers uh, OKC. It was oh. an overtime game at okay. OKC. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, he took. Uh, I think Cat was 32. I think Mo Williams was like 33. Uh, Corey was like 31 or 33 or something like that. Wow. So Kevin Love doing it on 27 shots. Very impressive. Very nice. efficient. Um, but that's kind of what you were saying, too, is that Cat could do this again because Kevin Love had the combo of free throws, three-point shooting, and good in the post. Eight buckets, yeah. And that's, that's what Cat does. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to be there again. <laughs> All right, Neil. Of those four players who have scored 50 points in the game, who did it in the least minutes? Least amount of minutes, so no overtime, uh, or least played minutes. Yeah, that's what you mean, like who yeah. played the least amount of minutes. That's correct. Um, hmm. Let me say, ah, I wonder if the Mo Williams game was overtime. Let me say Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Ah. Everyone's complaining about Tom Thibodeau, but Cat did it in the fewest minutes. Oh. He played 41 minutes. Which is, uh, I think Corey Brewer is next up with 44 minutes. In okay. So right. Cat, 41 minutes to get it. Very efficient. Uh, next up, Neil. Actually, just an aside, because I got a last question, but just an aside. Do you know what KG's career high for points in the game is? Um... 45? Yeah, very close. 47. Oh, 47. 47. All right, finally, Neil, Carl Anthony Towns last night set a new record for points scored in a game at the Target Center by a home team or opponent. Who previously had that record for most points scored at the Target Center? 
I think I know the answer, and I was at this game. I think it was Tony Parker had like 52. Hey. Tony Parker had 55 points. Oh. November 5th, 2008. You were at that game. I was there. I always remember that. Double overtime game. <laughs> Tony Parker, 55 points, had the court record. Oh, whenever he minutes he played in that one. Double overtime yeah, for TP. But, uh, Amazing. Now, Cat, it's, it's appropriate. I think a Timberwolf should hold the court record yes. at the target center. Yes. So. That's the way it should be. Cat not just getting the Timberwolves record, but also the target center record for points in the game last night. I love it. Ago. Yes. That was last night. Yes. Single game scoring records, you guys. And again, I think Cat's going to take this down. I think we're going to get into the 60s. I think we're going to have some of that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it was incredible to watch and uh, cool to see. You know, nothing against Mo Williams, but I like what Jim Peterson was saying at the end of the game. It just, hey, th- it's appropriate that someone more meaningful to the franchise holds this record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's saying, that's like, right. It should be like KG or yes. Kevin Love or Carl Anthony Towns. Those so, three. Yeah. Yes, please. Absolutely. Although I like the stat Jim uh, Ben's had in the middle of the game that Wally Zerbiak had the most through three quarters. He had like 44 or right. something through three quarters. And that's quarters. what I'm saying. <laughs> you, need the, you need the team to hang around with you or else you're going to sit you're in the shut down. Yeah, exactly. Um, how many times has Steph Curry had? You know, crazy numbers through three, but he's oh, not coming back Clay. out. Same with Clay. Yeah, you know, Clay's had some yeah. crazy three three quarter scorings. Yeah, you guys nice. have that team hanging around. All right, that does it uh, for today's show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you head over to canishoopas.com to listen to this show or future Wolvescast shows. Or um, read the Wolvescast Digest. Yes, yes. And comment on it, please. The Digest is there. It's a weekly roundup of links and videos and uh, other cool stuff. Scott works hard on it every week. So, so check that out, please. Um, you know, what else do we have? It's uh, it's Twins opening day. Check out the Twins. Come go to Darby's. Twins. Go Darby's. Uh, yeah. When the Twins are not on. Yep. Now you have now it's like baseball. A, Season. Every other week sort of situation. Darby's is a great baseball bar. It's right next to Target Field. So when the Twins are at home, no trivia on Tuesday nights. But when the Twins are on the road, like this next upcoming Tuesday, come on by, play some trivia. I host. It's 6 p.m. It's free to play. Lots of great prizes. And if you draw a little basketball up next to your team name, I'll know you listen to the podcast. I'll give you an extra point for that. So come on by. It's a lot of fun. Lots of Wolfscast listeners stop by, and I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. If you tell me you're a Wolfscast listener, I've got some cool Timberwolves cards on my backpack. I'll give you a basketball card we got a couple more weeks till it's playoff time. Hopefully the Wolves can hang in there and uh, get one of those playoff seeds. So lots more to come um, from us in the coming weeks. Uh, Be sure to tell a friend and uh, subscribe to our show. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. Uh, Additional uh, shout-out to Joe Mandy for joining us uh, this week on the show. Check out all all his shows. Check out his Netflix special. Award-winning comedy special. Yeah. Very funny. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. How can you think Towns is better than Porzingis? Porzingis can shoot the three. Porzingis is too skinny. He can't bang in the post like Towns. Give this guy a protein shake, then we'll talk. You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan.